0: Episode 46 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Baseball Podcast, your weekly Milwaukee Brewers podcast. I'm Steve Garchinski, and joining me today is JP Breen and Ryan Topp. And we're recording on Saturday afternoon. Right. So, so disclaimer
1: two games are going to transpire. Well, and God, knows God knows what's going to happen.
0: And with the way, again, they keep making moves. Right. Who like knows? Any, any roster talk we have may be obsolete within, you know, 12, 12 hours. Yeah. They'll play a game and then decide to make a bunch of moves.
1: It is is the way it goes now. So
0: JP, do you want to just like say a bunch of moves right now and then I can edit them in after the fact if you get one of them right?
2: <laughs> just, just start guessing. Yeah, just, just start all saying. All of the possible permutations that could have happened and then we could just like just insert it.
0: Yeah, they called up and then read off a bunch of names. And then <laughs> they sent down and then just say a bunch of names. And then I can pick and choose what we need.
1: What if he just makes a bunch of different sounds and then you can like splice those together?
2: <laughs> I
0: could. It'd,
1: it'd be like,
2: it'd just be like playing FIFA on, on like PlayStation or something and be like, and now James has the ball. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. What do you think of that, JP? I think that it was. Good move.
0: I I didn't get that part. So I'm going to move on from that. Yeah. But it was a a valiant attempt. It was a valiant effort there. Um, Hey, you can help fans find the podcast by rating and reviewing Milwaukee's Tailgate on Apple Podcasts. We want listener questions. So follow Milwaukee's Tailgate on Twitter at mke tailgate. Email questions to Milwaukee's.tailgate at gmail.com or follow our Facebook page. You can also follow the three of us on Twitter and you'll find that in our Milwaukee's Tailgate Twitter bio. And finally, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can visit patreon.com slash Tailgate. Our ball and glove uh, patrons receive the monthly Minor League Extra podcast, right? Yeah, yep. That sounds right. And it's out. It is out. Yeah, it's out. Um, and there was a special guest. We had we had a little taste of it last week at the end of the podcast, uh, JP's interview with Nick Flaris from 2080 Baseball. If you want to hear that whole thing join patreon and you can get that plus all the previous episodes yeah the
1: clip we pulled was about 15 minutes right and then the whole thing was about 50 45 something like something, that. something like that yeah i don't um, know you I, get... and i will
2: say as a spoiler for the future we are going to have another special guest for next month's podcast
1: do we get to say who that is yet or no i will wait okay
0: <laughs> i so, know who it is so everybody will just be yeah extra excited once that's announced uh milwaukee's tailgate is sponsored by Carbon Four Brewing, from Dragon Flute to Block Party to Fantasy Factory IPA, K Four specializes in English style malt bombs and perfectly balanced hop grenades. Uh, June twenty second, Carbon Four re released Belly Bongos. Have you tried it yet, Ryan? No, I have not. I don't think they've. I don't think it's made its way to Milwaukee yet. Has it? I don't think so. I think uh, like Monday or so. I think it's when the packaging oh okay. packaged goes out. Okay. Uh, but it is. Oh, this was the jazzy reed.
1: Yeah, this is the jazzy read.
0: So it's it's jazzy and lyrical and a ballad for good times, but it's also got lots of melons, melon flavors to it. Yeah. So it comes
1: with a sliced cantaloupe. At the end.
0: It's, exactly. <laughs> it's very uh, refreshing. Uh, so yeah, a great summer beer. Go check that one out. Um, you can get it at the tap room at Carbon Four, and it'll be available in bottles where is that tap room steve tap room is on kinsman boulevard on madison's east side uh you can always check out carbon4.com for more information carbon4 beer brilliance uh, Milwaukee's Tailgate is sponsored in part by Sound Devices, a premier manufacturer of audio production gear, and they're located right here in Wisconsin. Sound Devices gear is used worldwide and is found on the set of Oscar-winning films and popular TV shows. And if you're looking to create a professional-sounding podcast, check out the MixPre-3 and MixPre-6. For more information, visit sounddevices.com. Okay, so we had kind of a weird week because we had a rainout in the middle uh, of the week, the final game against Pittsburgh. Yeah, and pe- teams with no roofs, it's just... Un- yeah, you need a roof on every that's baseball a, stadium. I mean,
2: that's the first rain out of the year, right? For us, yeah. I mean yeah. for the Brewers. But no, I know not in general. <laughs> <laughs> over the course over the course of two and a half months, there has been another rain out in Major League Baseball, yes.
1: Snow out too. Uh, it, so did they schedule that as a doubleheader to be made up?
2: Yeah, I think at, what, July fourteenth or something like that?
0: It's BS. I didn't see yeah, where they placed it, but yeah. There are plenty of games against division
1: opponents remaining. Oh, yeah, that's part of they have like a run of like uh, 21 games in 20 days or something, which is the most you can possibly say it was do. 30
2: games in 31. But then they got the extra uh, day off because of the rain out. So.
0: Oh, sure, 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 sure. OK, yeah. Um, But anyways, before that rain out on Wednesday, Tuesday night, uh, Freddie Peralta had a pretty great start. He went six innings, struck out seven, didn't walk in. He only gave up two hits in a three to two win. Yeah, that's that the
1: that's the big thing is that no walks. I unfortunately did not get to see it. I was listening to it, off and on, as Mm -hmm. I was doing things. Did it sound impressive? I sure did, sure did. I mean, we, you know, there's no walks involved, so that's for him. That really is a large part of what is going to determine if he's successful or not. Is how in the zone is he, and you know, are hitters swinging at his stuff when it isn't in the zone too? That also is a big help for him. Yeah,
0: JP, what do you think of what, what did you think of his stuff on Tuesday night?
2: It was actually it became better as the start went on actually because I think his fastball velocity was actually pretty good. He was touching 94 pretty regularly. He was throwing up in the zone, he was throwing, you know, he he's got a cut on his fastball, he actually. Rides it up with a four-seamer as well. He can actually run it though. He hasn't have, he hasn't really been running or sinking his fastball much. It's mainly been either you know he cuts it a little bit or he goes with the true four-seamer. But he can, he can play with it you know kind of arm side as well. Um, but I think the most interesting thing about Peralta is his breaking ball got way better as the start progressed. At the beginning, it was kind of a get me over thing, but he really started throwing it uh, to get people to chase and. Even though I know so many people are going to say, you know, his fastball is his best pitch, and he's so able to kind of take advantage of hitters via his fastball, but I think that's a little bit mis- misleading because he throws so many different kinds of fastballs. That yeah, he's throwing eighty percent fastballs, but they're not. It's not like when you know Bartolo Colon throws eighty percent fastballs and it's all, it's the exact same pitch every single time. Um, so Peralta, he needs that breaking ball though to be able to keep guys off of it especially the second third time through so the fact that his breaking ball got better and better as it went along i think is really positive i will say that i think that his command wasn't as good as the zero walks would suggest um i think he was very good but he's still really loose in the zone um and he can still fall behind hitters but he was able to really work from behind when he did fall behind uh, so I wouldn't say that, like, this was a masterful start or anything. Uh, I still think he was a little bit better, on obviously, when he struck out 13. But um, he was very, very good. Well,
0: I mean, he's he's now had two really good starts, and then he also had one where it was the flip side, and he was yeah. wild and put a lot of guys on base. Yeah. Um, is there a case for leaving Peralta in the rotation going forward?
2: I think so. I mean, I to be honest, I think that – I. Th- I personally, I understand that there are going to be arguments on both sides because it's kind of a feel thing. I think that you just kind of let him go. I'd like to see Freddie Peralta go and see if he can if he can capitalize on this continuously uh, kind of gain momentum and confidence in himself and keep moving because he's one of those guys right now that kind of get. <laughs> Kind of, I'm thinking about this a little bit in terms of like the sounds kind of sports Henry, but he's got a little bit of juice in him in which he's kind of exciting when he's on the mound. And I don't think that the team actually has a lot of that. Even Shasin has been really good. He's been, Shasin has been so good lately. Um, and I think we can, you know, if we talk about that later, we can, but uh, I've been really impressed that. with him.
1: I mean, Suter brings some of that juice. Like when he gets excited and he gets going, like there's a. There's an excitement around absolutely,
2: him. but you don't like.
1: He doesn't do it out, with this stuff. All yeah, stuff, and, no. And
2: outside of Josh Hader, Peralta is the only one right now where you're like, I gotta, I gotta see him pitch. Like, yeah. at, when I when I heard that Freddie Peralta was coming up, I actually set aside time to be able to watch the start.
1: So I was rereading an old uh, Baseball America the other day, and they were really complimentary of his changeup. And it occurs to me we have really not seen much of that. Uh, and that's something that sort of struck me that we're not seeing what is supposedly his best non-fastball pitch hardly at all. Uh,
2: well, he hasn't needed it because his fastball has been so good.
1: Okay. So that's, you think that we will see it as he goes on? That's if he it.
2: needs it. I think right now he's just being able to say, he's being able to basically throw his four seamer high and then he's able to cut it in on lefty's hands. And right now, I think actually what his curveball is doing is it's more of a vertical break. Where before it was kind of a more of a slide piece, but he's able to put a little bit more verticality on it to be able to get lefties out. But right now, I think it's I think his fastball is just that good that he's just he's like I don't I don't need the changeup, so I'm not going to throw it.
1: And he has been throwing the other stuff a little bit more since coming back up. Like this in this last start, he threw it more than he had in his previous starts. So and it's all obviously very small samples, but. He is throwing the curve a bit more, and the change as well.
0: So if Peralta stays in the rotation, Ryan, who do you think uh, is the odd man out? Like when like, Zach Davies comes back? I,
1: maybe nobody. I mean, considering that they have a, a run of games where they're going to be playing just game after game after game, I could see them going to a six-man rotation for a, a time. So there isn't necessarily... A need to push somebody out. I
0: mean, does that mean Suter gets some starts and he's still available
1: out of the bullpen depending on what the schedule is? No, I don't think necessarily. I think they might just go six-man rotation and say, you know, well while there's not these extra off days built in there, and they're gonna have that that double header to deal with. You know, as that's happening, that I think they can just go to a, a flat out six man for a while, especially kind of in the heat of summer here and yeah, I, I don't see a necessary reason why they have to let somebody actually push them out of the rotation.
0: Yeah, JP, six-man rotation?
2: No, I'm not a fan of the six-man rotation. Uh, they they might. I, I, I'm I not a fan of it, though. Um, I think that if, if push comes to shove, Freddy Peralta will go down. Because, as again, we've seen every single time there's a roster crunch, if you can be sent down, you will. Mm-hmm. I mean, because there's no good reason why Brandon Woodruff is being sent down either, because he's actually throwing the ball quite well. But just where he is right now and he actually threw the ball really well again on Friday night in the minors
0: yeah he's pitched well in the minors and you know he he's had a couple really bad spots in the majors but he's also pitched you know he's had some some good appearances so now, if you I, take I guess, out that Colorado start the ERA
1: under three yeah and that's, you know I mean starting in Colorado you're gonna get your head handed to you sometimes is it's it just part of the
0: gig. is it just the excitement around Peralta that's kind of Pushing him ahead at the moment? Does he seem like just more of the potential to be a dominant pitcher?
1: Yeah. Well, and I think also, I mean, in terms of like fan enthusiasm, like why that is? Well, I'm sure they're not not making
0: decisions. They're not making decisions on fan enthusiasm.
1: No, but I think Peralta does offer a certain electricity that, you know, not a lot of pitchers have, including Brandon Woodruff.
0: So, JP, is electricity another name for ceiling? He's got a higher ceiling than Woodruff.
2: I mean, maybe I think what Ryan's talking about is more the feeling that he gives to the team right now, right? I mean, and that sure. that matters. Um I think the one thing that Brandon Woodruff has over Peralta is that Woodruff has pitched out of the bullpen and can make that transition. Um his last two outings in in the majors uh you know, he's gone two two perfect innings. Uh, back in late may and then june 10th against philly gave up one hit over four innings struck out three um i mean he's been pitching well when he's had an opportunity to come in it's just been the fact that he again can be sent down he is somebody who has shown the ability to pitch out of the bullpen he gives some length there uh so much like and we'll come on to it it seems that the team is trying to to play with this with corbin burns but uh, Brandon Woodruff is somebody else that can transition to the bullpen to be able to give better arms in the big leagues as well.
0: Yeah. Um, speaking of players that have been sent down uh, Saturday morning, it came out that Domingo Santana has been demoted to uh, AAA.
1: Yeah, and the supposition, I don't know if has anybody spoken on the record yet about this, but my supposition is it's mostly just get him in the lineup on a daily basis so that he can maybe work through some of these issues he's having yeah his playing time had gotten has gotten really sporadic right because there's just too many people especially with you know aguilar being a guy that you don't want to take out of the lineup really much at all and thames being a guy you want to get in as much as possible because he's been hitting for power since he came back as well
2: i was gonna say there's one thing to say that his playing time has been sporadic but when he has played he's production hasn't been there he hasn't forced his way into the into the lineup like other players have
0: yeah i mean do you think jp that he can get it going down in triple a is it just a matter of getting that confidence back or are there any other issues that are beyond just getting in a friendly environment and getting a couple hits
2: i mean i think that i've been pretty well documented and trying to say what issues i think he has um I was reading the baseball. I I was helping some friends move this morning. So I didn't actually see that Domingo Santana was sent down until we were getting ready here. And so I went and looked at the baseball trade rumors uh, piece on it to just see kind of what was happening because I don't know why I assumed that when uh, Domingo Santana was like sent down that they like sent down a bunch of people and I was going to like have to follow six moves, but it was just one. Um, And they were saying that there were, there were no signs that last year, was quote unquote a fluke, or there was some downside last year. And I think that that's, again, is people looking at the wrong numbers, um, people not paying attention to where his strikeouts came from um, and all of those different things. So I think that absolutely there are some longer term issues in terms of his offensive profile and what he brings. With that said, I I have said again and again that what I think he offers is a Chris Davis profile, somebody who's going to hit 230 240 but can hit 30 homers if he plays every day and the defense isn't going to be great but that's a two-win player like and i think that he can absolutely do that if he's down in AAA. I just am not necessarily sure that's somebody you want to start every day when they've got the options that they actually have on the team right now
0: i mean is it going to be a problem going forward if basically you know when you say here's 2017 is, you know, the good Domingo Santana and 2018 is the bad Domingo Santana. Is it an issue if we're going to fluctuate so wildly between the two if there's just that much vari- variability in his performance?
1: And there's a lot of variability in performance generally in baseball. I mean Well, yeah, but-, but you usually
0: don't see guys hitting like here's, you know, their their top projection, here's their bottom projection and that's what they're going between from year to yeah. year. There's there's a well, little I- more you there know. will
1: be years when he's in between too. I would. I mean, imagine. I will say. I will. I don't say know. That, is there? <laughs> we haven't. I mean, seen I will yet, say that will the, will the
2: biggest concern that I have with Domingo Santana is his power is gone. Like, if that is what he is going to do, if he's going to strike out more, if he's going to walk less, if he's going to do all of these things, the one thing that everybody has always said will be there is the power, and the power has not been there this year. So, if he needs to go to A to be able to find it again, then so be it. If he's there for two weeks and comes back, that's not that big of a deal. Um, but it's an it's an opportunity for him to go try to work through some issues to try to do exactly what they wanted to do with Orlando Arcia, And then Arcia ended up having to get sent up because, you know, Saladino got hurt. But like this is an opportunity for him to go down, play every single day, work in the cages, go through BP, try to translate it into the game situations. Um, of course, he doesn't want to be down there. There's going to be monetary issues as well. But uh, I'm n- I guess I'm not necessarily sure what the volatility qu- – like I don't understand the thrust of the volatility question, I suppose.
0: You know, usually you say like, okay, this is, I guess, the ceiling as far as performance and here's the floor as far as performance is concerned. We don't generally think of guys just playing to their ceiling or basically hitting the floor. It, yeah. But he seems like a guy that very much could always be in that wide range of production – I mean, is that an issue if you can't count on a little bit of a, a tighter window, I guess, between his peak performance and his basically bottoming out?
2: Maybe. I mean, I think that that's Cam Broxton's issue as well, right? Sure. I mean, Cam And Broxton we haven't seen him. He's not,
0: he's not the first guy they call up if they needed somebody else in the outfield. We haven't yeah. seen him since spring training. I yeah, mean, he has not
1: taking a nap back with the big league. What's problem. the
2: biggest issue in terms of that kind of volatility? It's being able to make contact. And that Domingo Santana can't do that with consistency, even on balls in the zone. He was, I said, keep saying it week after week. So I know people are annoyed by it, but he was one of the worst in the league at being able to make contact at pitches in the zone last year.
1: And that's and, a problem. And when he gets that, I mean, last year it worked because when he did make contact, he was making such a prodigious contact with power which is what JP was talking about he's not doing that this year and when that piece gets pulled out of a profile like Domingo Santana the rest of it just doesn't really work because he's not offering you defensive value up the middle it'd be one thing if he was offering you defensive value up the middle but also his his walks are down as well because guys are not JP pointed this out last week guys aren't as afraid to throw him in the zone right now well, yeah, if he keep swinging
0: and missing on stuff in the zone. Um, okay, with Santana going down, we do have Brad Miller getting the call up. So everyone's uh, savior, yeah, I guess, in the
1: middle <laughs> infield. Does this give them the chance potentially to uh, – if Miller starts hitting and Miller shows a capability of playing shortstop, at least passably, does that give them the cover that they need to try to send uh, um, Arcia back down?
0: Well that was going to be yeah part of my question is what do we expect from Miller and then you know Arcia or Sogard I mean are they both guys that are it's only a matter of time before somebody goes down to the AAA
2: I mean I the the problem is well I don't know if somebody's going to be like when somebody will be sent down to triple A. But obviously in the middle infield, once they have opportunities to bring somebody else up, that's going to be the place that they have more bodies and somebody's going to get sent down there. The the problem with Sogard is Brad Miller, if he's going to come up and play often, he's going to play the strong side of the platoon, which is ostensibly what Sogard brings to the table, right? Because they're both lefties. And so if you're going to have Brad Miller and Sogard both on. Bless you. Uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna have Brad Miller and uh, I need a
0: sneeze guard. <laughs> <laughs> if
2: you're gonna have Brad Miller and Eric Sogard on on the roster. I don't know when Sogard plays because obviously, like it seems to me that the a kind of a soft platoon between uh, or a hard platoon, even a Brad Miller and and Orlando Arcia, is kind of the best case scenario going forward. And the one thing that I think could actually give them an opportunity to send Arcia down is when Saladino gets healthy. So. I feel
1: like Brad Miller is basically a Sogard replacement.
0: W- yeah, oh, with absolutely. The,
1: with the caveat being that he's not as adept. Sogard's a guy you actually feel good about sending out and playing shortstop, or at least fine. I mean, that's he's not necessi- he's not Arcia out there, but few are. Whereas Miller is probably going to be a, a significant liability at shortstop. I
0: mean, does Arcia basically become the defensive replacement and Sogard's going to be the odd man out?
2: I think so.
1: It could potentially happen that way, but I'm wondering if they're going to try to take the opportunity to get Arcia back in the minors and see if that I, does anything. I think
2: it'll all depend on on Saladino's timetable. If Saladino is able to come back in, say, three weeks, then maybe you just ride with Orlando Arcia as a defensive replacement until Saladino comes back, or you're able to make some kind of move in July.
1: But, I mean, Tyler um, Saladino is probably just, like, basically Eric Sogard of 2018 anyway. I mean, that's that was Andy's joke, but well, you ride that yeah, out.
2: but the, it, but it's fine, and he's, but he's right-handed. He can play, he can play capable defense, and he's fine. Like Brad Miller is not going to be like most likely, judging by his past numbers, judging by his defense, unless he's able to like go on a tear. Like he's not
1: going to be great, but he's okay. And but, I mean, did the pixie dust already wear off? I mean, did that? <laughs> On Brad Miller? When no, was it on, on Tyler oh. Saladino. I don't know. Maybe. That's the, yeah, I mean, I don't know.
2: But either, the thing but... is, Saladino wasn't bad a couple of years ago either. Sure, but he
1: wasn't anywhere near as good as he. No, but the Brewers also, I guess,
2: Brewers. when they actually signed him, like told him that they had done some analytical numbers to show him some things in his swing that able that enabled him to hit for more power than he was with the White Sox, and he actually like implemented them pretty much right away. So I'm not saying that Saladino is like who we saw, but I don't. I'm a little bit more. I think Saladino could be a passable like like bench player in, in the majors. Um, And if you can have two passable bench players right now in Brad Miller and Saladino to be a platoon at, at shortstop, and that gives you an opportunity to send Orlando Garcia down to be able to get his, you know, to get his bat straightened out. Like that's not a bad option because right now that's like Orlando Garcia is.
0: I would say, have you seen any positive signs from Garcia in the past week?
2: He's still engaged. He's still a good clubhouse presence. He's still really, uh, he's into everything. Um, his, his glove still seems to be good, but at the plate, I still think, he's obviously changing some things. Um, he's doing the thing where he like starts his leg kick pretty much when the ball is coming and he just tries to hang it up there and time it a little bit better. That's different. I don't think that that's necessarily better, but uh, he's clearly trying some things to try to slow his body down a little bit.
0: Yeah, it's, it's still tough to watch him up there. They just can't get anything out of him, and it's it's frustrating to see a player that we expected to be at least, you know, a decent-hitting shortstop.
2: And somebody that we saw
0: be it, a decent-hitting yeah, shortstop has done for a better part of, what, three months? And I think the other thing is he had gotten off to he got he got off to a slow start last season sure so there was a little bit of like okay another slow start you know at some point we think he can get it going and the fact that it just keeps looking completely lost of any kind of positive signs that's frustrating to see
1: I mean what you do in a situation like this is you try to get the guy on track as much as possible throughout the early part of the season you find yourself in a pennant race down the stretch a guy like that's going to be marginalized you're going to look for other options. You're going to look for other answers. And that'll just happen as sort of a natural thing. And we've seen Craig Council do that yeah, again and again with guys. So that's not, yeah, it, it sucks, but he's going to get plenty more chances. Even if his playing time does diminish this year, even if this year basically gets written off as a lost year, that doesn't mean that it's a lost career, that his time with the Brewers sure. has to come to an end. Absolutely. That kind right, of thing.
2: Because, I mean, I I would say, look back at our last like big time shortstop was Gene Segura, and he came on was really good for his first, you know, that that opening kind of what was it, 2013, and then 2014 and 2015, he was basically unplayable. Like he like his he was really struggling to even hit 290 as an on base percentage. His def- his defense was fine, but you know, not otherworldly. Uh, but he still had the tools there. And I think that Orlando Arcia still has the bat to ball tools to be able to do it. He's just got to, you know, have an opportunity to figure it out a little bit.
0: Yeah. So, uh, Friday night, the Brewers didn't feel like playing for six innings. And then Jesus Aguilar decided to, uh, go and win the game in three innings.
1: That's the rumor I heard. D-
0: did Man. you go back and see it? We were, we were, I... we were a little busy on Friday night.
1: Yeah, we were. Yeah. We were otherwise disposed, but
0: we were getting updates. And then I, well, my phone wasn't, I went back and I went back and rewatched it. Oh, I saw some clarity was (laughs) unbelievable. Yeah. His stuff looked really well, his his stuff looked good, but it looked like, uh, they were also getting a pretty loose, uh, strike zone last night as well.
2: Yeah. I mean, I I guess, but man, cause Gero was getting,
0: Gero was getting calls too.
2: Yeah, I mean, but I'm saying when Flaherty, Flaherty was all over the corners, mm-hmm. just and on both sides, he was able to work it into lefties, work it into righties. He was throwing 95 on the black. I mean, he was. I know that everybody wants to make it about, you know, well, maybe they don't now because the Brewers won, but everybody was making it about the Brewers hitters for so long. I was like, I don't, I was trying to think of a better pitching performance, like just in terms of how well he was pitching against the Brewers this year. I think Flaherty is the best we saw all year. He was, he was good.
0: Um, Aguilar just keeps hitting, though. So well, is that-
2: he did. He did- <laughs> Even when he just golfs it out. He still
1: Yeah. To it. I mean, he did go through a, a period there where he wasn't doing much aside from hitting the occasional homer. He went through like a week, week and a half there where it was like.
0: Okay, is that what you're going to harp on?
1: I'm just saying there was a time period. He's not just continually hitting every single day. He,
0: he, no, he he's not putting up his he's Herculean, not her, his Herculean like, numbers of uh, a month ago. But I mean, he's is, is that part of what has allowed the Brewers to just say Domingo
1: Santana, you're going down to AAA because right, we're because covered. and because they've they seemingly are comfortable with Eric Thames playing some outfield. I know it's well not. he has to. Be to get into the lineup, yeah, and they're if they're comfortable with that. Between those guy with Thames doing that and Braun getting in there on occasion, uh was he back
2: yesterday? Or is they he said still he not? was able to play, but he didn't come back and play.
1: They Did didn't he even. he didn't even get a pinch hit? No appearance? Okay. So yeah, I mean he had They have to be careful with Braun's thumb. But, you know, if they're setting Domingo Santana down, that means they think Braun is good to go. Basically, they're not doing that without having.
2: I think it also means that they feel comfortable with Eric Thames in a corner outfield spot. At least because you could. Well, because you can remember that Aaron Paris can always play corner outfield, too.
1: Right. Yep. So they have that flexibility as well. So
2: and Brad Miller now, to be honest. Like, Brad Miller's Brad played Brad Miller there. can play There's everything. Does he catch? Brad, I, I, oh, God, I hope so. Oh, can <laughs> he,
1: can he pitch? <laughs> Ooh, maybe we'll get that, uh, that game from him. I'm going to look. Because we were looking for the Hernan Perez. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, he's never caught. That sucks. He's yeah, played every other position on the field.
0: <laughs> so, oh, um,
2: He hasn't played center field, but he's played every other p- position on the field. Oh,
0: well, just like Little League. Right, yeah, we got a little league player uh getting called up, so um, but yeah, it was good to see uh, you know, the the bullpen continue to pitch well and get another good start, and they were able to basically come back with the uh, two home runs from Aguilar.
1: Yeah, just so
2: I don't get any Twitter mentions, I'm sorry, he did play center field in 2015 for 20 games. Go 20. Games. <laughs>
1: it's a- it's a wide swath he's cutting.
0: So uh, you know the bullpen, after being a little shaky, there is looking pretty solid again. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and I mean that shaky shaky was they were not like completely shutting down everyone all the time, right? And they had yeah, one they one they particular blow in up
1: <laughs> in that that game against the Cubs, the first game of that series, mm-hmm. where they actually yeah. legitimately blew up an in extra innings. Matt yeah. Albers ended up on the DL. That, yeah. But I mean, the bullpen isn't going to throw up zeros all year like Jeremy Jeffress is not you know going to carry a, a sub one year all season like that's Jeremy not, Jeffress is unbelievable right now he is good I, he but i carry.
0: he could carry I, I, that I for a
2: while say, I will say something that everybody is going to hate I think right now pure stuff it might be better than haters right now
1: well sure because a lot of what hater does is deception like a lot I'm of what a, I'm he including gets,
2: that I'm saying that the oh, look that he gives hitters right now might be Better than what haters are It's a
1: spicy meatball, Breen. That is a spicy he's throwing, meatball.
2: He's throwing 97 with movement yeah, in is. the strike zone consistently, with a really good curveball that he can throw for strikes and a 92
1: mile an hour splitter. Are you talk about somebody who brings the juice. That man brings like, the juice.
2: Like, what are you supposed to do with a 92 mile an hour splitter?
1: Flail Other than like
2: blow it? out your elbow.
1: Well, flail at it and uh, you know, not. Swing at not, it.
2: Not swing at it, right? But like, he's, able, I mean, he, because I was looking at it and, and he actually had the second highest average velocity on a splitter throughout the, the course of the year thus far. And it was 89 miles an hour. Uh, and Familiar with the the Mets was the only one that was throwing it harder. But um, in the last like week, week and a half, Jeremy Jeffries has started, like his velocity on his splitter has gone up three miles an hour. When like he it- just, He just decided he likes to throw it harder now. When
1: did the splitter show up in his repertoire? How far back is that? I think last year. Was it last year? Okay. Wasn't Gara the one that helped him with it or something? (laughs) That's what I was trying to, uh, yeah, I thought that I, yeah, I was trying to confirm that that was the case, that he basically learned it from Gara and brought it back that way. Okay. So uh, we do have a Patreon
0: question from Michael Heitkamp. Uh, the Twins are looking more and more like sellers. Eduardo Escobar is a free agent-to-be and is hitting almost as well as Manny Machado. He's a switch hitter uh, who would really help lengthen the lineup. Uh, he can spell Shaw against tough lefties, too. What do you think it would take uh, to acquire Escobar? Is this something the Brewers should even be looking to do?
1: I mean, you have a guy who's gone from, in 2016, at age 27, he had a 67 OPS+. Plus last year to 100 and now this year he's at 150 and he's played primarily third base but has gotten into 20 something games at shortstop i had it just a second ago. yeah 20 games at shortstop this year it's if he continues to put up the kind of offensive numbers he's putting up you're gonna have to give up something of consequence for him i'm not convinced that's true you don't think that you would have to give up something of consequence for him? well he, hold on a second. What's of him. consequence? Uh, top seven, eight in the system.
2: Well, sure. I'm saying that you wouldn't have to give up somebody like Burns or Peralta or, or Ryan, Burns, Ryan says Peralta or Hira
0: Of consequence is they're ranked in the top three hundred prospects in baseball.
1: <laughs>
0: well, <laughs> Burns like okay, 200. Burns,
1: yeah. If you're yeah, I don't think they wouldn't give up Burns, Hira, or Peralta, but I mean, would you give up th- Brett Phillips th- I don't think he to would rent cost him? That. Would he, would you give up Brett Phillips to rent him for a, a a couple months? Sure, that would be that would be something you'd be interested in. I just I, I mean, mean,
2: the whole I point. Th- of- I don't think that I still think that Jed Lowry is is kind of the piece that I've been looking at. But Eduardo Escobar, somebody who's a rental, somebody who can play multiple positions, somebody who can step in, and he's a switch hitter. I think that's absolutely the kind of bat that they should be looking at for the infield.
1: And you're not necessarily worried about the lack of a track record there that it could just get hit. You bring him in, and the second he shows up, he turns into I mean, the 67 OPS hitter again that he was.
2: I mean, first of all, like you can always be afraid that somebody's not going to to hit as well as they have been. But at this point, you're looking at his track record basically being two years. You're also suggesting that... Well, no, three.
1: This season, season before, the season before that... What okay? just no. keep going.
2: Okay, so basically his so his uh, OPS plus has been over a hundred four out of the last five years.
1: Okay, yeah, so, going back further, yeah, you're right.
2: Um, but I, I'm saying that if the criteria is always can you buy somebody that won't have an opportunity or like won't have the threat of like regressing significantly, I don't know who's going to be available like that because you're looking at somebody who is like basically a borderline all-star player. Right. Um, who is a rental, who is going to be available. Uh, I don't know who that is. Yeah. Uh, like I'd rather Machado, do this right? than
1: do Manny Machado. Right. That would be right. the obvious. One.
2: And so I think that, I think that he's absolutely the kind of guy that the Brewers should be looking at. I don't, I don't know if this is somebody that they're going to look at. I think that if you do look at the twins, uh, I've also mentioned that I think Kyle Gibson is somebody that they could look at. For the starting rotation.
1: Well, and who else did he bring up in that? He also mentioned uh, a reliever. He mentioned Zach Duke. Oh, yeah. Zach Duke. But I don't think that they
2: need to really bring in another reliever um, unless it's going to be like a high end reliever. But I think that they're basically what they're going to try to do is bring in some good relievers via the system right now if they're going to add with Corbin Burns or or Woodruff.
1: You know,
0: which? Well, I was going to ask something else first. Um, You brought up uh, Brett Phillips as a piece to trade. What kind of value does he have? I think as we approach midseason and trade start, the trade talk starts to kind of
1: uh, gear up. It's hard to say. He's had a disappointing year in AAA. That's yeah. You know, I think it's easy to say he's had a disappointing year in AAA. But he's still just what twenty three years old. He's not. You know, you're not talking about a guy who's in his mid twenties here. There's still plenty of time, and there's a lot of talent there. So.
0: But is he getting is he getting to the point where he needs to show something in the majors and the longer he doesn't, the more his value just drops because of just prospect fatigue, I guess.
1: I mean, if he was hitting in the minors, that would help some. But, yeah, he probably does need to hit in the majors and the Brewers can't really offer that opportunity. I think the biggest
2: thing for me for Brett Phillips is trying to understand what he is. And what he is is a really good defensive outfielder who can hit for some power. His he's going to strike out. His batting average might not be great, but he can offer speed, defensive capabilities, and I've I've made this co- I don't know if you want to call it a comp, but like basically, like, uh, Ras like Colby Rasmus made a career on having that as his profile.
1: And- right, and there's also some patience in his profile as well, which dovetails yeah and so i i don't
2: think that brett phillips is somebody that you're gonna say can be absolutely be a starter but um i think that you see a lot of outfielders that are getting 500 plate appearances who don't necessarily offer something that brett phillips can offer he
1: offers Um, the big side of the platoon too he's a left-handed hitter so
2: and and i think that if you're a team that says at worst he's a left-handed fourth outfielder who can play every single position and give you quality defense across the board and he can hit for some power and walk a little bit. And that's the worst case scenario. That's not that bad. The best case scenario is he hits a little bit and then he can access that power. And he's actually a starting caliber center fielder. I actually think that that's quite an attractive piece. I don't think it's an exciting piece, but I think if you're looking for somebody for like a rental uh, and you can get somebody like Brett Phillips, I mean, I think that Brett Phillips offers something better than Ryan Cordell, who got Anthony Swarzak last year.
1: Well, you know who seems like he would be, or who might be of interest, who might be interested in Brett Phillips. He seems like an Oakland player, doesn't he? Like they love that sort of where they can take you know a few skills like JP's talking about here and grab that. So maybe he's a piece that could go back for Lowry.
2: Maybe I don't necessarily know that Oakland has places to play him. Honestly, I mean, oh, I've at the got, moment um, well I suppose Chris Davis would be uh would be a DH so maybe. Um I think he's somebody that like the Marlins would love. Um I think he's somebody that could find some playing time in like San Diego.
0: Are the Marlins going to want another Brewers outfielder?
2: <laughs> I don't I don't know who the Marlins really have to offer a lot of players a lot of teams at the moment outside of like the obvious players that were available in the that could have been available in the winter
0: so I guess real quick is Brett Phillips a brewer in August in the system
2: i I think so yes
0: you don't think he's gonna be part of a trade
1: I don't I yeah, I mean, the likelihood of it being him is below 50-50, so yeah. But it's definitely possible. He is a guy that if a team had a particular liking for him, they could see him going out in a deal.
2: I mean, I would just say that one of the things about Brett Phillips is he's absolutely the kind of player you want on your on your September call-up. Like for a pennant run, somebody that can play good quality defensive at every single position, somebody who can offer uh, impact on the bases. Um, they've still got Quentin Barry. They're like... 40 man special of who's sitting on the dl right now or the inactive list that he's going to be able to come back to you're gonna it's going to be funny to see him suddenly get some uh some rehab help? out he's gonna to start to like do some rehab work in like august and then suddenly be ready for a 40 man call up
0: yeah um okay uh pb brew crew has a patreon question uh what do you think about corbin burns in the bullpen in the big leagues for late summer and fall could we see davies shift to the bullpen if Suter and peralta continue to pitch well in the rotation so two questions there davies i would
1: think not likely i uh, davies out of the bullpen doesn't do much for me i think that the value there would be it, it doesn't track for me it just it doesn't seem like the kind of profile that you'd want to see in the bullpen he doesn't throw hard and there's you know, sure okay so burns in the bullpen potentially yeah i mean that's if that's how you want to break him in. i know you're a big fan of that steve you love the idea of breaking guys into the major leagues in the bullpen
0: i do yeah i don't have an issue of bringing guys in and breaking
1: as them a in starter there.
2: well and the organization has explicitly said that's what they're looking at
1: right now. Right. Yeah, and that's that seems like a positive. I yeah. I mean, they're playing around with it right now in the minors so that they can see how he adapts to it because it is a different sort of gig and it takes a different mentality. People have, you know, pitchers have talked about that, that you do have to adjust to the idea of being in the bullpen and having to sort of be ready. All the time, as opposed to your entire life is sort of geared around being ready for that one day, and then you have the rest of the time to to get ready for that next day. It's so, a different gig, mentally. Yeah,
0: JP, does does Burns's stuff profile as a guy who can come out of the bullpen?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think he can throw a lot of like his slider on the uh, on the right day is a is a plus pitch, especially if he can just kind of let it fly. It his fastball is good enough, I think, to play out of out of the bullpen he can throw enough strikes he can give multiple innings which i think is what they would really look at if they want to bring him in as a reliever i think they would see him as somebody who could be a multiple inning guy um so yeah i think that burns and burns when he was coming out of of st mary's actually like some people were worried he was going to have to move to the bullpen um so i don't think that that's that's a worry at all but i agree i don't think that zach davies in the bullpen really makes a whole lot of sense
0: is the 40 man spot going to get in Burns' way as far as getting a chance to do it this
1: year? They got space right now. Yeah, and they can continue to shuffle. So, okay. I mean, it's some of it, I think, depends on what happens with Jimmy Nelson, you know, it, down the road. How are we feeling about Jimmy
0: Nelson right now? Waiting for. <laughs> he's, an,
2: he's an enigma, but we do got Wade Miley making rehab starts. Yeah, so, that. we that's might need 16. a 40 man roster spot for him coming up shortly. Oh, that's right. He's on the 60. So, yeah,
1: that's
0: yeah. We haven't. When was the last time we really got a big update on Nelson? It's been a while, uh, and I think he, it's when they were kind of
1: pulling back on. They were pulling else. back on him. Was the last we heard, which was like I don't know, three four weeks ago now. So,
2: they just uh, in the telecast yesterday. They said he's still throwing.
1: Yeah,
0: but he's not throwing. It's only f- uh, flat ground.
2: Yeah, I don't. I don't know like much they're still that. stretching they said he's they're, still
1: th- he's still throwing right and they're increasing the distance long tossing before they would actually put him on a mound mm-hmm. yeah so i think best case scenario
2: you're looking at early august
1: at this point okay
2: yeah because even if he goes to and makes rehab starts he's gonna need at least three at least three starts and if he's not even pitching off a mound right now and we're almost in july i mean i don't necessarily know how quickly you think he can get back
0: Yeah, I I think if if you're looking at the Brewers as a playoff team right now, I'm not counting on Jimmy Nelson being a part of that rotation. No, anything he
1: would give at this point, I think, for this season, you have to look at as a bonus.
0: Well, and if he comes back, what are the chances that he's, you know, even close to the pitcher he was last season?
1: It's
2: a complete toss-up. I think the one thing that I actually heard – uh, last week on, on one of the telecasts I think or I read it somewhere or I don't know this information entered my brain somehow um, and they said that actually his shoulder injury was not on the throwing side of his shoulder like it actually his you know they said most throwing injuries happen on like the, the inner side of it and it's actually the the back part of his his shoulder was the part that was injured so they were a little less worried about it because of that which is interesting that we haven't really heard much about it but at the same time uh, I also don't know anything about anatomy, so maybe
1: that. I was going say like a, the shoulder some is on. one of those things.
0: Hold on, okay. So everybody needs to just stop talking about this because at first they thought, well, maybe it's not too bad of a shoulder injury. Then they went in and they were like, oh my god, we had so much stuff to clean up. And now do it's you, it's on the outside of his shoulder. Do you want, so do you want
2: not, me to tell you like my my secret conspiracy theory? Oh yeah, because I know because I know that Ryan's all about this. Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: I was going <laughs> to say, watch out! You're really opening Pandora's box here.
2: I think they're taking it extra slow because they've been like, we don't
1: necessarily need him. I think they're being careful. Sure. They're trying not to push him too fast, which great. I thought, exactly gonna go, go you, I thought you were going to go. I thought you
0: were going to go a lot more out there than that. That just, yeah, that makes sense.
2: Yeah, but I have no, like it's, I have no evidence for it. It's just, but a, I thought uh,
0: you're going to go crazy conspiracy theory. That was just like, eh, I guess oh, I sure. took I mean, out my tinfoil foil hat somewhere. for nothing.
2: I say, yeah, you're right. They're actually trying some like conspiracy, or they're actually trying some like uh, some new. I thought you were going to say like technique in the back, and he's yeah. I thought maybe he's he's actually trying to put some like radio signals back there so they can actually make it a robotic arm.
1: They were clearly harvesting parts of aliens to put into his shoulder. Oh, I was just going to say he's
0: actually in Germany right now having some like
1: (laughs) Kobe Bryant like (laughs) deep freeze exactly.
0: So, um, Hey, we got a Facebook question from Ted Langer. He asked, Oh my uh, God, Facebook. Yes. He, he says, "Brian, wa- you're
2: in charge of it and you couldn't even find <laughs> it. No. Yeah, it was,
0: <laughs> Hey, I'm the one that alerted everybody to its presence, but I couldn't pull it up on my Congra- iPad.
2: Congratulations.
0: We had all seen it, but yes, you alerted us. Um, how likely would the brewers be in trading their top prospect, Keston Hira in a potential blockbuster trade at the deadline next month? And that's assuming a trade would require a player of, Hero's caliber, but if it's a blockbuster trade, I would imagine we're going to see somebody like that move.
1: i you would think if it's, yeah, if it's one of the truly elite players out there, which really who is there? Who out there would you actually trade Keston Hero for? Would you trade him for anybody who's potentially on the market, like Manny yeah, I mean, Machado?
2: I was gonna say, well, no, because no, he's the rental. Um, and he and Manny Machado is also not going to require Keston Hero, um, because if last year. Willie Calhoun was the headline piece going back for you, Darvish, who was the absolute premium piece coming in as a rental. And and here it's better than Willie Calhoun by quite a bit. Um, What I will say is the one person that I think could be on the market, hypothetically, though it's the Mets, and the Mets don't do anything that ever makes any sense is Jacob DeGrom. Right. And I think that that's obviously been what a lot of people have talked about. Um, I do not think that Keston Hero goes anywhere. I would put the percentage chance at less than like two percent.
1: Yeah, I think it's incredibly unlikely. Ryan, would you do it for uh, Degrom? I mean, yeah, but the problem is, like, I would trade Keston Hero. He's going to say DeGrom. yes, but
2: then like, he's he's going to hedge this so hard, and so he he can say yes to something he knows won't happen.
1: Because I think that it's going <laughs> to take so much more than him. I that's where I would you lose me. Yeah. So you wouldn't. I, if it was if it was a deal that looked like I don't know the Eloy Jimenez deal, like that when when Jimenez went for Quintana, but I mean Degrom's much better than that. So, Dylan Cease also, by the way, is now a top under prospect. Oh, did Cease Cease was the other guy in that? Okay, I maybe more than the I don't know the the Chapman deal. I think I mentioned that originally
3: too.
2: By the way, everybody last year who was telling me that I. Uh, was underselling Quintana and that Quintana was an ace. Congratulations. Quintana's fine. Quintana, Quintana is was, very fine.
0: Well, and a lot of his value is tied what, up. in like a
2: 4-3 ERA this year? He's been okay.
0: Sure. A lot of his value is tied up in the amount of control. Absolutely.
2: That the That's absolutely where it's been. It's not been in the fact that he's an ace pitcher.
1: Yeah. Oh, no, but I don't think anybody really thought he was... Did people think he was an ace? Yes, uh, absolutely I, they did. I thought he was more like he's kind of... People were at saying best, that he he's would, like a good but, two. I mean, that's yeah. Kind of, well,
2: that's but a good two is like. As cl- like. But he's not
0: really a good really two good. either.
1: No, I don't think at his good best. Two. I think he he pitches at that, but okay, that's at his best.
0: Well, this isn't a Cubs podcast, and the Brewers didn't trade for Quintana, so we don't really care. We hope he does poorly. So, Sorry, Travis. So, but, I tried to get them so to talk you, about it more. So
2: you would,
1: you would trade and Hero for Jacob Degrom. I would be comfortable, but. I think that it would take so much more than that. You that would, would not be comfortable.
0: No, no, no. You might do the trade. You would not be comfortable with
1: it. It would because it would make you would me, always. It would make me. Let's
0: see. You would always follow Hira and regret whenever he does well. Yeah, I mean, you would. That's how but, it works.
1: But the Degrom thing. Degrom is interesting. He's been so good, and you do get this plus two more years. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot to like there. But the Mets are the Mets, and like. I mean, honestly, do we even trust that the Mets have, like, handled him reasonably well and that there's not some, like...
2: Yeah, we needed that conspiracy theory in here. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, like, did... Yeah,
1: I don't... Well, he's had... He has had some health issues. I'm going to blow blow
2: your mind right now because we're going to flip the script. I wouldn't... I would not trade Kesson here for Jacob DeGrom. But I think that that's just because... Uh, Right now, the vast majority of the strength that the Brewers have for their starting rotation right now is basically based on depth and the way that they're using their their uh, pitching staff right now is that they're relying on their bulk to be able to make up for so many of these things Um, that I think right now. It's not that I think the trade, I think trading Hira for for DeGrom in a vacuum, absolutely value wise makes sense. I don't actually have any question with that whatsoever. But if the question is, would I do it this summer? I don't think the Brewers need it. I think the Brewers should absolutely be trying to address their, their lineup. They should be looking to, try to either address the catching position, at second base, or shortstop is where they should be spending their their prospect assets, and it should not be the starting rotation. If they do go for the starting rotation, I think I'd be fine with that, as long as it's not a premium piece. If it's a J.A. Happ or something like that, I think that's good. I think Kyle Gibson would be good. Um,
1: Kevin Gaussman.
2: Yeah, I think good Kevin guy. Gausman, if they wanted to go for somebody like that, I think that would be good. But I think if you're talking about where would like where would I want to, to spend premium prospect pieces, it would be on a bat. It would not be on an arm. If you asked me this six months ago, I think I would have had a completely different answer because I didn't expect the bullpen to be this good to be able to make starting rotations depth work in the way that it has.
1: Well, and just the entire pitching staff to be this deep. They're getting performance from so many different guys and, and i didn't that expect they don't have seem room. to be anywhere close to this good right and they don't have room for all these guys at the big league level they have to rotate through a bunch of guys who other teams would absolutely already if corbin burns was on some other club he would have absolutely already been up at some point for for many other clubs he would already have uh, broken in but the brewers just really haven't needed him so because yeah. they have so many other guys
0: well, it's just starting to heat up as far as what deals are going to make before the end of July. So uh, we've got a lot more time to discuss all that.
1: Yeah, I mean, You're we're officially ready, You're hitting ready into for trade those season. Neil
2: Walker type deals. Yeah. Well,
1: they they uh, there was already one fairly significant trade: Kelvin Escobar going from uh, Kansas City to Kelvin Escobar
2: has been gone for a long time. Kelvin Herrera, however, was traded. Oops. Um,
1: <laughs>
2: but Kelvin <laughs> Escobar, do you remember when he was a Brewer for like a hot minute?
1: For that was a that was a very hot minute.
2: Yeah. Uh, I will say that one thing that I've wondered, now that Gleyber Torres is so good in, in in New York, is Brandon Drury p- potentially like available to be able to play some infield? Huh?
1: Yeah, it's possible. I mean, if defensively
2: you... he's not great, but he can play second base. I would he think can the play, Yankees will just third hold base. on to him
1: though, and just have that depth. You know, keep that. I know, but was, at some
2: point you have to bring him up to the big leagues yeah right i mean uh, you can only option him for so many years anyway that's that's neither here nor there that's just somebody else who i was looking at where i was like you know who might i don't know what we would offer you know the yankees that they would want sure. to be fair because we'd have to they would probably be looking for a big league piece and i don't necessarily think that's what we, we'd be looking to give
0: so okay well we're gonna wrap this up because jp i know you got to go help somebody
2: move right absolutely i'm so excited that it's only like 70 degrees this today and not like
1: 95 like it was last weekend i mean we got out in front when we moved my stuff last weekend it got really nasty by late afternoon but when we were done around one it was fine still yeah it was still
0: okay so well good luck with that make sure you put on your weight belt so you don't get any like back injuries or anything like that right all the heavy I'll, tra- I'll try to
1: make sure that I'm not on the DL
2: for the podcast next week.
0: There you go. So uh, that's going to do it for this week's show. You can join our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash tailgate. Patrons at the ball and glove level will receive the monthly minor league extra podcast. As always, follow us on Twitter at mketailgate. You can also submit questions to milwaukees.tailgate at gmail.com or through our Facebook page for Milwaukee's Tailgate Baseball Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, any of your other favorite uh, podcast apps. We should show up on there. Uh, You can leave reviews and help people find the podcast. So thanks for listening and look for us again next week on Milwaukee's Tailgate.